Just a prayer before we read. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these um, passages, the passage we're going to ring, uh, read now. And I just pray, Lord, you'll open our hearts and minds and respond in Christ's name. Amen. So the reading today is taken from Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 14, and is found on page 994 in the Church Bibles. So it's Matthew 25, starting at verse 14. The parable of the bags of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Well, good morning again, everyone. Uh, it is Giving Sunday to, su to this Sunday. So if you're new or visiting, uh, this is a bit unusual for us. What we normally like to do is to just sort of work our way through a book of the Bible. Uh, but this time of year, we do a few thematic talks. So last week, we did Thank God for Emotions. This week, we're thinking about uh, giving. Next week, we're thinking about vision. And the week after that, we're thinking about thanking God for being part of a forever family. 
Uh, and then we'll be doing some series on uh, suffering as well coming up after that. But today is Giving Sunday. This once a year, we like to just go over this, reflect on our giving, uh, to have a think and a pray about it. And this passage, I think, is helpful for that. Uh, I did it uh, last year for the Holiday Club. I really enjoyed teaching the children what the Kingdom of Heaven is like. Uh, and there's been a couple of things since then that have really struck me about this and about our giving, which I pray would be a delight for you uh, this morning. Shall I pray before we start? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one, the gift of the Father, that means that we can be your adopted children forever and ever. Uh, and Lord, we thank you that our worth is not bound up in how much we have or how much we do for you, but our worth is securely hidden away with you, Jesus. We are much more worth and brilliant than anything we could imagine because, Lord, uh, we are yours in Christ. When you look at us, you see your son. And we praise you for that. And we pray, Lord, that we would be more like your son as we consider all that you've given us and how we might use that in the way that your son used all that he was entrusted with to rescue us forever. Amen. So uh, in this parable, um, it's uh, actually it's a parable about the kingdom of heaven. So when it says it will be like, if you look back up to ver at verse 1 of chapter uh, 25, you'll see at that time the kingdom of heaven will be like. Jesus in the middle of teaching his followers what the kingdom of heaven will be like. And the key theme here is Jesus is coming back. That's what the kingdom of heaven will be like. Jesus is going and he's coming back. And the aim is, is to get the disciples excited about using his gifts to get ready for joy. Using his gifts to get ready for joy. Don't do nothing. That's the big warning at the end. So why do you want to listen to this? It's because it's the word of God, but also because this specific passage, we discover that joy is the driver for us giving on Giving Sunday and that there is much for us to give thanks for here at Emmanuel as we consider that. So Jesus is teaching what the kingdom is like. And the key here is the king is coming back. And we have a role to play in that joy. So first of all, you and I are entrusted with Jesus' wealth. You and I are entrusted with Jesus' wealth. That's verses 14 to 18. This is a summary of the story, really, isn't it? Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Do you see that? So he calls his servants, those who serve him, those who delight to serve him, and he entrusts them not with their wealth, not with someone else's wealth, but with his wealth. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on, the, on his journey, uh, and they handle the money, don't they? And then verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned. So what we discover here is Jesus is like the master. He dies on the cross, he rises and ascends to heaven, and he's away from us. He's always with us by his spirit, isn't he? But we don't see him face to face. He's away, but he will come back. But before he's come back, he's entrusted us as his disciples with his wealth. It's his, not ours. 
all that we have, life, breath, the gold, the, um, the gifts we have, the Holy Spirit, the gospel, it's not ours, it belongs to Jesus. That's a huge shift in our understanding, isn't it, compared to the world? You know, how much money have I got? Uh, how much time have I got? Where's the me time? It belongs to me, doesn't it? But this turns that upside down. What we're entrusted with is not ours, it belongs to our master. And what is the wealth that is, we're talking about here? Well, uh, we start with uh, an amazing quality. So he entrusted his servants gold, not rocks or silver, but gold. Also, it's an amazing quantity. Uh, the word for the Greek in quantity here, a bag of, is actually the word talent, which is where our word talent comes from. So often in the past, people have read this passage and said it's not just about money, it's also about your talents, your gifts that you've been given. And there is something in that. But this is an amazing quantity. Five bags or five talents of gold, each talent is about 40 kilograms. So it's 40 kilograms of gold times five, which works out as, I'll just check my maths, 200 kilograms of gold. Anyone got their exchange rate? Just checking to see if anyone's on their phone. If you do that these days, that works out as about £10 million today. So the master is entrusting the servants with an incredible quality and quantity of gifts, isn't he? So what is that wealth for us? Because Jesus hasn't deposited £10 million in my bank account. It is that Jesus' gifts to us, which does include our gold, it's everything that we have. It's our gold. It's our talents or our gifts. Uh, it's our, the Holy Spirit that we have. It's the gospel. You know, all the money that we have, that all is originating in and created by and comes to us by God's will. It's his. All the wealth in the world belongs to God. The gifts that we have in 1 Corinthians 12 talks, doesn't it, about the gifts of the Spirit, about knowledge and wisdom and all of those things. All the gifts that we have, the football playing, the, you know, some people are great basketballers here. Some people are brilliant at singing. I don't know who they are yet, but I'm working it out. <laughs> you see, all these gifts, they come from God in 1 Corinthians 12, and they're there for building the body of Christ up. Then the Holy Spirit, the greatest gift of all, John 14, 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you, just give you another helper, capital H, to be with you forever, the Holy Spirit. The presence of God dwelling in us is a gift to empower us to new spiritual life and help others. But also the gospel, we've been given the gift of life. The gift of life forever, not just for us, but for others as well. The good news. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is an amazing treasure, isn't it? No matter what your financial situation, no matter how ungifted you think you are, if you follow the Lord and you've been given the Holy Spirit and the gospel, you have treasure beyond measure. Treasure beyond measure, individually and collectively as a church, that he didn't need to entrust to us, but he gives to us. What do we do about that? Well, isn't the right response there to thank God, to praise him, to say, Lord, I've got 
50p in my bank account, praise God. Lord, you've given me the gift of being able to fix screens that break like the one at the back did this morning. Praise God. Lord, I have your spirit with me. I have your glorious gospel of life. Thank you. Do you see, that's, that's a life of thankfulness. Whereas actually, if your stuff belongs to you and your gifts are yours, what you do is you compare with other people, don't you? And you think, why haven't I got more? Why aren't I better? And actually, this, when we see that everything we have is, belongs to Jesus, and he's entrusted us with that, it saves us from pride and disappointment to gratitude and joy. That's wonderful, isn't it? And that's what happens here, isn't it? Did you notice the servants, even though they're given very different amounts, there's none of them going, oh, he's got five bags and I've only got two. It's so unfair. If you did that in our house, five bags, you know, here's five bags of gold coins, here's two packs of gold, there would be nuclear warfare. This is different, isn't it? Because the master entrusts his wealth to his servants. That's how we want to think about it. But then the next thing that happens, we see, is that Jesus' return, his return with joy for the faithful. Okay, he returns with joy for the faithful. That's verses 19 to 23. Here he comes. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. So when he comes back, he's not, it's not like he's just forgotten what he's entrusted to them. He's entrusted with them, and now he wants to see, what have you done with it? He wants to settle the accounts. And so the man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five and said, Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. Uh, See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, I'm going to long for Jesus to say these words to me. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been successful. You have turned a massive profit. You have made lots of money. You have been faithful with a few things. And I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Interestingly, the guy with two bags, who only makes two bags, that's three less than five for anyone who's no good at maths, gets exactly the same response. What is it? Verse 21. Well done, good and faithful servant do you see the faithful is emphasized because what jesus is settling account for is the faithfulness of what's been used what's been entrusted the master will return jesus will return and you and i will have to give an account to him of all that he's given us gold gifts holy spirit and gospel to name a few if you're young here today and you're discovering your gifts for the first time and you're discovering gold Have you thought what you will say to Jesus when you meet him on the final day? And he said, I made you great at running. How did that go? I I made you wealthy beyond compare. How did that go with that? As you discover your gifts, you've got to think, yes, Jesus, you've given me this. Praise God. What can I do with this for you? So that on that final day, I can give a good account of a faithful use of it. Parents, how are we teaching our kids to think and use their gifts, their artistic ability, their football, their rugby? How are we preparing them to give an account to Jesus on how they use those gifts? 
Or are we subtly and implicitly, without really meaning to, actually those gifts are becoming a thing that leads them away from Jesus? And how we do that for the next generation would depend upon what we do. If we love to praise God for the things he's given us with our kids and the next generation here, and we love to, we love to celebrate how people are using them for the Lord, they'll pick that up. If we asked our kids today in our church about their gifts, if we said to them, you know, you're really great at roller skating, Eloise. Who's that gift for? What do you think she'd say? I know she'd say it's, it's for me because <laughs> I need to work on it. But it's a challenge, isn't it, that they're going to have to give an account. Jesus is looking predominantly, as we said, for faithfulness when we give account. Not result, not an amount, not quality, but faithfulness, mentioned here four times. It's like me giving money. What that is like is I give money to the kids to go to the shop for milk. And what I'm looking for is faithfulness, that they come back with the milk, not that they come back with sweets for themselves. And in a way, I don't really mind if they come back with the low-fat milk that's just water, or they come back with the milk that's, you know, double cream and going to kill me. What I'm looking for is faithfulness, that they come back with some milk and not the sweets. That's what Jesus is looking for, the faithfulness. And that's great because it saves us from comparison, doesn't it, with others that leads to pride or to shame. It's interesting, later on we're going to do a presentation about the giving. And one of the slides that I was quite keen to do was to show the blocks of giving. So here's the number of people who give up to £50. Here's the number of people who give up to £100. Here's the number of people who give up to 200 and the number that give above 200 right? And interesting, the feedback that I got, quite rightly, I think, was, is that might really discourage people who give less. Or it might make people who give lots feel proud. If that's the case, we need to change that, don't we? Because it's not about the amount, it's about... The faithfulness. How faithful have we been? And you can't stick that on a graph, can you? So we're not going to use it. How faithful are we going to be with our gifts, uh, our gold, our Holy Spirit, the gospel? Uh, and it's interesting, isn't it, how they don't fall into the trap, those two, uh, those two uh, servants, as we've already seen, of comparing with each other. So Jesus is also here, when he comes back, he's not just settling an account with those who are faithful, but he's looking to give more and to give more joy. Good, faithful servants get entrusted with more. You see, they're invited twice here to actually have more, to be in charge of many things, but also to come and share in the happiness. Is that all right, Karen? I think you might be cool now. Well done. Good job. So I notice no panics happens all the time. I'm surprised, actually, I haven't been called out in the middle of a sermon to go and see my kids. So you're doing a great job, Karen. Keep going. Um, Jesus is looking to give more, isn't he? You've been faithful. Here's more. That's the principle in God's kingdom. You're faithful with what you use, your gifts, your gold, your Holy Spirit, the gospel. He gives you more. But also, this is the really exciting thing. He's in, they're invited twice to enter into his joy. What does that mean? Come and enter into your master's joy. I sort of understand the words, but I don't know what that means. What is Jesus's joy? Here's Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 2, he says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Consider this. What Jesus endured on the cross was the eternal, never-ending wrath 
that you and I deserve. That every Christian since the beginning of time until Jesus comes back again, I don't even know what number that is, but for every single one of those persons, the eternal wrath, that's what he endured on the cross. When you think of the cup of the wrath of God, it is huge, it is vast, it is limitless, it is overwhelming, isn't it? Think of the number of people, and each one is going to endure an eternity of God's wrath. And yet Jesus endures that on the cross. Think how big that is, how overwhelming. And yet, it is not big enough to overwhelm Jesus' joy. Jesus' joy is bigger than that. This is what I realised, is we're being invited to enter into a joy that I can't even imagine. Jesus' joy is limitless. I realise that my capacity for joy is like a teacup next to, have we got a picture of an ocean? It's like a teacup next to an ocean. This is my capacity and my quality of joy. This is Jesus's. That wasn't even overcome by the eternal wrath of every Christian. That's extraordinary, isn't it? That's the joy that we are being invited into as we use our gold, our gifts, Holy Spirit and the gospel for our servant. And so it seems to me eminently just obvious that I want to invest all those things in the kingdom with Jesus so that when I see him he says come and enter into my joy it's the joy is the motive for my giving of my gold my gifts the Holy Spirit the the gospel it's Jesus's joy that's how I become the joyful giver that he loves that we heard about at the beginning And do you see how investing in the kingdom with your gifts or your gold, the Holy Spirit, the gospel, as you invest in the kingdom, what it does is it opens you up to the possibility of greater joy. The more I'm invested in this, the more I'm heading towards that, the greater my capacity is going to be. Do you see how that works? Lastly, we see in this passage, beware the sadness of self-serving. Beware the sadness of self-serving. Verses 24 to 30. Here we go. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. It's like he's serving a different master, isn't it? He's got it totally wrong. This master is someone who's generous and loving and amazing, but he's got it totally wrong. And he's not actually serving his master, is he? This is a master only in name. See, uh, here it is, what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you, well, why didn't you go and put it on the bank? And now, verse 28, take that away from him. Give it to the one who has. And verse 30, the dreadful line, throw out that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is a stark warning, is it not? of the sadness of self-serving. Can you see that this person is not a servant of the generous Jesus that we've met so far, but a self-serving, self-interested servant who is looking after number one. 
That's his preoccupation, isn't it? It's to look after himself. The generosity of Jesus in those, uh, you know, it's just amazing how generous Jesus is, isn't it? That he gives good gifts, uh, gold uh, and talents to people who don't follow him, who are afraid of him, who think he's a baddie, and yet he still gives them good gifts, like here. Uh, Jesus isn't generous at all. Uh, Sorry, Jesus, uh, um, for this man, isn't generous, but hard and dangerous. And so I think this is someone who's not following Jesus as Lord, nor faithful in what he's been given. And, right, and, and then right at the end, he has less than nothing, doesn't he? There's anguish and sadness. So beware taking Jesus' gifts and burying them away from Jesus' kingdom. Beware taking Jesus' gifts and burying them away from Jesus' kingdom. Beware using his gifts for your own survival or comfort in this hard world. It's tempting to do so. But the only thing that will help you with that is if you see how generous and glorious and wonderful Jesus is and how great the joy is that we're called to be a part of. How we use our gold, our gifts, is a real sign of who we serve, isn't it? If you want to see how much a church has really been won over by the love of Christ, you look at its giving. How wide is the wallet open? How much are the gifts used across the church? And, you know, one of the reasons I used that funny slide with who gives in the past is there were two people who were giving everything to make the church run. And it was to help people realise, did you know that there are two people who are doing everything? Now, that's not a great spiritual health, is it? Here's the good news. At Emmanuel, we've got much to give thanks for. Emmanuel, we've got so much to give thanks for. Jesus is coming back. And we see people using their gold, their gifts, the Holy Spirit and the gospel to prepare for his joy everywhere. And that is wonderful. We can give thanks for loads of people giving all those things for the gospel, for the kingdom. Both they do it both here and we do it both out there in our workplaces as well. We have a crazily high percentage of givers for most churches. Uh, We see people using their gifts of time that God has given them. To, to, to help others out, to come and teach, to run things. We see people using the gift of the Holy Spirit in the power of prayer as they pray. We see the gospel being proclaimed in the workplace. Uh, some people here preach to bigger crowds than I do occasionally in their workplace. Others just gently sharing the gospel with their carer using the Christingle. That's wonderful, isn't it? We see people joyfully serving the Lord with their gifts as they train the next generation on Sunday in flyers or youth in the week or toddlers or using their homes and their gifts to open up. It's just marvellous. Praise God. The Spirit of God is at work amongst us. And I want us to keep seeing that that's a great thing and that what we're doing is being prepared to receive great joy, a joy that is far greater And to look forward to the day when Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, and now I'm going to give you loads. But also, we can see from here that we've got freedom to be faithful with what Jesus has given us. So listen, you can be prayerfully reviewing your giving when it comes to the gold. And you can stop. You don't need that in order to have 
the well done good and faithful servant. You don't need that to be worth something to Jesus. You already are. So you can stop giving. You can reduce your giving. You can increase your giving. But it's good, isn't it, to prayerfully and carefully think through, what am I giving? What am I giving to? And why am I doing it? Am I just doing it because I'm ticking the box? Or am I doing it because I'm excited about investing as much as I can of my gold, my gifts, the Holy Spirit, the gospel in the kingdom of God to receive great joy? And so we can have an excitement about preparing for joy, both here in church, but also outside, thinking, well, look, how am I using all those things midweek in my school, in, at work, with your organisations I help with? A number of people here volunteer with different organisations to help the kingdom grow with their free time and their money. It's amazing. I want you to be excited about not just serving the bill for doing ministry at Emmanuel, but to be excited about what could I do beyond that? That's how things like Christians Against Poverty get going. That's marvellous. I want you to see with excitement that we're being asked to invest these overwhelmingly immeasurable treasures that we've been given by Jesus in his kingdom so that we might have great joy at the end with him. I want you to review with excitement all the gifts that you've got and praise God for, him, for, for them and not fall into pride or into bitterness or disappointment, but to see the immeasurable riches of his gospel. The question is, isn't it, is, just think on this, does Jesus need, your, does he need the gold or the gifts or the Holy Spirit or the gospel that we have to grow his kingdom? Does he need it? Does he need it? No. So why would he entrust us with immeasurable riches? It's because he wants us to enter into his joy and not remain in our own joy. Shall I pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you don't settle for us being just kind of faintly pleased or, uh, Lord, you don't settle for giving just enough. Lord, you like to lavish on us immeasurable treasure in the gospel and your spirit, in the gifts and talents we have, in the season of life, in the time, in the gold we have. Lord, in the, in the minds, in the thinking, in the, in the disposition of our hearts. Lord, all these things that you give us, Lord, you give us in abundance. You don't need to, but you love to because you want us to enter into your joy. Lord, I pray you would grow our capacity and our excitement for that joy so that we might invest more and more. And Lord, that we might long for that day when we meet you face to face and you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.